0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another edition of Texas All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, I would say fresh off the field, but it's been a few hours, and yet it really <laughs> doesn't feel that way because I well, spent about four and a half hours watching film, but still a fantastic day over at the Houston Methodist Training Center where all kinds of things are going on today. Cal McNair was was making burgers along with Sean Pendergast and Ron Show Hughley from Sports Radio 610. I mean Sean put a tweet out a little while ago, the grill seekers. I was like, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. So there's a lot of fun to be had. I think it was the last fans practice. And I hope you got an opportunity to come out to camp good vibes. It's been good vibes. It's been a really good camp from that perspective. I think it's been a good camp all around. I've seen a lot of good things in this camp that I don't know that I was expecting to see or was just curious about or thought, well, you know, I'll wait and see how I feel about that. And then you get to camp, you're like, whoa, okay. Seeing rookies, Derek Stingley made a tremendous play today in practice, almost came up with a pick six, but I see him routinely, daily shaking off the rust. I mean, you can just see it coming off just in his movements and everything he's doing. He is going to make a major upgrade in that secondary alongside fellow rookie Jalen Petrie. You spoke to the media today. So there's been a lot of good things going on with this camp. So schedule-wise, tomorrow it'll be a night practice. So Mark and I will have our last Texas Training Camp live show, 8 to 10. And we will have, I believe, we have the McNair's. I'm just going to say that. I don't know if we'll have one or two, but we're going to have a McNair, hopefully two, on the air with us, presumably tomorrow. That's the plan as far as I know it right now. From 8 to 10, we'll have uh, them in. Then, at 6 o'clock, we'll have our normal Texas All-Access show. And following that, from 7 to 9, there will be practice at NRG Stadium. Coach Lovey Smith wants to take the team through essentially kind of a game mock-up situation he told us the other day hey i want to go through a full pregame i want to go through halftime all the different roles and responsibilities there's a lot of things to do going into the first game preseason regular season so you kind of get to work the kinks out but you got to work on it before you get there because obviously you got a lot of guys that have not gone through it and we'll see how lovey wants to change or not change from last year so all that's got to be done so Practice tomorrow will be from seven to nine. Now I don't know what kind of practice it'll be. Could be I don't I don't think they're gonna hit, but they'll go through some sort of practice tomorrow night seven to nine. Then Friday will be a walkthrough for them, and then Saturday kicking off against the New Orleans Saints at seven o'clock. Now with that preseason game, don't know from the Texas side who will wear a baseball cap on the sideline. Don't know from the Saints side who's gonna wear a baseball cap. So it'll just be Saints, Texans. We'll strap it on. will see a lot of rookies, a lot of guys that maybe you don't think are going to make the roster, but maybe they make a push through these preseason games uh, and kick it off against a different colored jersey on Saturday. That's going to be very fun. Then next week, trip to L.A. Week after that, a visit from the Niners, and then we are into the regular season. I want to say that again. Saturday Night Saints, the following week, L.A., The following week, 49ers, and then we are into the season. Uh, Mind-blowing, but glad that we are here. All right, tonight is going to be a GM, head coach, assistant coach kind of night. We are going to hear a little Texans audio jukebox, Lovey Smith style in our next segment. He met with the media today. We'll also hear from three assistant coaches, cornerbacks, Dino Vasso, Defensive line, Jacques Isere, and then also I had a chance to catch up with tight ends coach Tim Berbenek, Berbenek, Berbenek. I hope I'm saying that right. I'm gonna I'm gonna mess it up. I just know it's that itch at the end. It's ick. So, coach, and he's fantastic. I just there's certain names that just kind of stick. Either way, we're gonna hear from those assistant coaches a little later in the show, and Lovey Smith a little later to show. But if you missed it this morning, Nick Casario hopped over to the radio tent. To chat with Mark and myself, and we talked about any number of things, but we started with a former Patriot-turned-Texan who showed up at training camp practice on Wednesday, one Vince Wilfork.
1: All right, before we go anywhere, there's a special guest at camp today. We saw you say hello to him. Vince Wilfork is here, former Texan and former Patriot, where I know you spent a lot of time together. Yeah, Yeah.
2: I mean, one of the best players we had on that defense for a long period of time. Um, actually, I'll never forget, was there when he worked out at the University of Miami. And what he did at that pro day, I mean, for how big he is, I mean, it was mind-numbing. Like, and I was young at the time, so you don't really know. But the way he moved, his agility, his change of direction, you're talking about a guy that's 300-some-plus pounds going, wow, like that's impressive. So, And then fast forward, we had the opportunity. Like, I don't think we thought he was going to be there when we drafted him. He lasted, to, I forget, it was out in the 20s or somewhere, wherever it was. So, you know, we had the opportunity to draft him, and he was a mainstay in that front. We were just talking. We had, you know, Will Fork, Ty Warren, Richard Seymour, McGinnis, Mike Vrabel on the edge, Teddy Bruschi, you know, so – There's a reason why we're pretty good on defense (laughs) over that period of time.
0: Yeah, it sounds like you didn't need the coach you did to be able to win with those guys, (laughs) honestly. But to to that end, Nick, when you see somebody, when you think back to when you were younger and you scouted a player and you saw him and you're like, whoa, I think that's really good. Years later, when you look back, do you appreciate it that much more because you're like, holy smokes. I didn't really appreciate it because I figured I might see guys like him, but then you don't see people like him. You realize back then, like, okay. Yeah, there's there's
2: so many factors that go into an evaluation of the player. And, you know, whenever, when somebody works out, you can watch them move and look at their athletic numbers and all that, but how is that actually going to translate right. over being in a good football player? I think the thing that differentiated him was his he was very smart, yeah. he was very instinctive, and he was strong as hell. So yeah. when you combine that with athletic attributes that
1: are pretty rare, you have the makings of a really good player. Yeah. Played for a long time, too, and was a big part of uh, 2016 here in Houston. Nick, you made a transaction yesterday. Tight end group getting some extra help here with Shaheen. Yeah, working through the
2: process here um, relative to the trade, but um, experienced player. Um, he was kind of raw coming out of Ashland, um, Division Two, mm-hmm. but he coming out, he was like 6'6", 275, 278 at the Combine. Um, I think he caught 60 balls or close to that his senior year at Ashland or his junior year because I think he actually came out early. So kind of got off to a slow start in Chicago. Then they traded him to Miami, and he played about, call it, 300-plus snaps over the last couple years. So um, smart guy, has some experience, has some athletic attributes. So we'll work through the process here today on the trade and, you know, hopefully have an opportunity to add him, and we'll see how it looks here in the rest of the preseason.
0: Nick, this is a question for Adam but also for some parents that are out there thinking, well, you know, my son needs to play one sport or my daughter needs to play one sport. She was a basketball player in college and a good one at that. How much do you see
2: that translating over to his football days? Yeah, it's funny. Actually, nowadays everybody wants to focus on their kids playing one sport, but actually the more opportunity they have to play other sports, you can kind of see some different things. So I would encourage all kids out there to try as many sports, play as many sports as you can before you actually have to specialize but you can see some things on the basketball court and just how a player moves so and i never saw him play basketball but it doesn't necessarily mean if you play another sport that you can't potentially have a career in another one
1: um, if the opportunity presents itself nick in the tight end group it's got to be hard to evaluate these things because some guys are definite receiving type tight ends you have the different variety within the group and Not every group is like that. Can you speak to that a little bit and some of the assets you have here?
2: Yeah, it's a good question. I think some of those players, that position, they kind of get typecast a little bit. But Mm -hmm. the tight end is really involved in all areas of offensive football. So between the run game, between pass protection, between uh, uh, blitz pickup, between route running, there's a lot of factors. Some can handle all three. Some can handle maybe certain things better than others. So just have to figure out what a player is capable of doing within the scheme uh, of your system and then put them in a position to accentuate those uh, skills and characteristics.
0: Nick, Saturday night you go into a game situation. Running backs get fully tackled. Defenders have to make tackles. I know it doesn't change from an evaluation standpoint, but are there different things you look for in a game setting of players that you continue to evaluate?
2: Yeah, this is an opportunity for a lot of players to kind of play real football, actually real football where from snap to whistle you get to see some different things. So can they get off a block? Can they defeat a block? If they're around the ball, can they finish the tackle in practice? We're kind of tagging off, so you kind of simulate can they get the runner to the ground? Can they finish on the ball? The kicking game will be a big part of it. Probably that's the one area where it's drastically different because of the pace and the timing and the actual speed that's involved in that phase which we do the best we can to simulate on a practice field but the kicking game is where you're probably i want to say the least prepared but that's where you kind of see the transition from
1: wow this isn't practice anymore nick in your experience you're a couple of weeks in right now so a couple of weeks in how much can you tell about what the team is going to be during the season i know it changes and you're going to make additions and subtractions but based on where we are right now yeah try
2: not to jump to conclusions after two weeks but you're starting to see some different things whether it's groups of players whether it's individual players understanding we have three more preseason games ahead of us where some players are going to get the opportunity to see if they can do more maybe than we think we can so i would say the team is starting to take shape here a little bit you kind of have an idea of where there's going to be competition some areas that maybe created some separation so a lot of this is just going to be the opportunity to play so we can evaluate how they look in an actual real life setting
0: I used a Nick Casarioism the other day. I told Mark, I said, the roster is starting to reveal itself to me. (laughs) Because it feels like, I mean, I've heard you say that a few times. And that's kind of what it feels like. As you watch day after day after day, you go, okay, I can kind of see how this is going. Maybe some guys are banging Okay, I can see how it's going together. But at that point, Nick, have in this camp, you know I've got to ask, have you seen the rookies develop over this camp? Have you seen from them? And we all want to put every every rookie in the Hall of Fame after day one, and they make one play. But – from the rookies themselves, young guys that have never been through a training camp like this, how have you seen the progress from that entire group?
2: Yeah, it's kind of something that we've talked about. All rookies, they progress at different stages. So you're you're seeing some players have done a little bit more, some players have kind of been stop and start. Really, we're trying to look at the arc and the longevity of from the beginning to where they are now. And are they consistent day to day? Are they making progress? Are they taking advantage of their opportunities? Understanding they may not play early in the year but at some point they may be in a position where they have to get on the field we go back and last look at last year that group brevin really didn't play early in the right. year garrett didn't mm-hmm. play early in the year as the season progressed they had more opportunities and they put themselves in a position where they could help the team so my suspicion is you're going to see something similar this year some guys maybe are a little bit more ready to play are going to play a little bit earlier some guys their progress has been stunned a little bit for a myriad of reasons. So, you don't want to rule anything out, and you don't want to kind of jump to any sort of conclusions.
1: You want to let it go through the normal uh, course of action and the normal process. How do you weigh the wear and tear on rookies? Because they go through all that pre-draft stuff, and then they come here, and they go through a lot of workouts in the offseason, and training camp every day has got to feel like the Super Bowl to them because they've never been here. So how do you gauge all that? No, we look at that every day. So from the time that they
2: get here in May, we kind of have a baseline testing, and kind of get an idea of what they're capable of handling, where's their strength. What type of loads have they have they put on? Because they're doing more than they probably have ever done before. So, Ken, now then you're thinking about we haven't even played a three preseason game yet. So we're talking about three preseason games, 17 games. So you're talking about 20 games, 21 weeks. Are they going to be equipped to handle that load? So it's going to be a test. It's, it's much mental as it is physical. So I would say... They're making progress. They're probably experiencing some stimulus that they haven't experienced before. So we're monitoring that on a regular basis, not just the rookies, but the entire team, because ultimately you want to make sure that you have healthy players and go out there and perform at an optimal level on Sundays.
0: Then you got a guy like Tristan McCollum who played 21 games from the middle the late February of 21 until late November of 21 I mean 21 football games in that span because he played at same Houston and they went through FCS along those lines Nick you get to this point now where pads are still on but the grind has definitely set in from your opinion have you seen the physicality that you want to see from your team throughout this camp as tough as it is from the vets from the rookies all that have you seen the physicality you want to see even as the grind is set in
2: yeah, you can certainly see some things. It's probably as mentally taxing as it is physically, but, you know, the players have responded well. There's a lot of stimulus that's been put on their bodies. Um, you know, we've run anywhere from 65, 70 team plays yep. over the course of multiple practices, multiple days, so that adds up. So the big thing you want to see is that can they carry their technique all the way through yeah, over yep. the course from beginning to the end? but understanding how to practice is important as well and our players have been fairly we haven't had too many dust-ups so they're understanding how to play in order to get good work and you can kind of see the physical element the running game you're starting to see some things you're seeing more now than
1: you saw in the spring which is what you want to see as a team how do you look at what you're seeing out here offense versus defense and you must be really excited to see the texans against another opponent because the defense i mean there's a lot of competition out there as there should be but it feels like sometimes not that they know what's coming, but they know a lot of tendencies with each other. Sure. When you run enough
2: plays in the, against the other side of the ball, you kind of start to develop some pattern recognition about oh, when they're in this formation, here are some of the things that they do. But from a, either side of the ball, that's good because that's what you're going to have to do. You're going to recognize what the other team mm. is doing. So now we have an opportunity to see a different system. So New Orleans system is different than our system here in Houston which is great. So it'll be new stimulus. Mentally, we're going to have to sort through some things. There's going to be some communication. You're going to have to execute against a different look or a different front. So those are the things, I think, from a player's perspective that they're excited about doing.
0: You've had plenty of preseason games in your career, and you've had teams that went one won Super Bowls. Where do preseason games rank kind of in the importance of what you do in an offseason leading up to a regular season?
2: Say they're part of the process, you know, something that you have to go through. Some players need the preseason more than others. Other players mm-hmm. don't need the preseason as right. much. So you just have to figure out what it needs of the team, what the needs of the player, and try to balance everything off so we can make the right decision when we put the team together. Is that sort of
0: a feel thing too, Nick, with, you know, from year to year, like, you know what? I think we really need to see the offense a little bit more because we've been stagnant in training camp. We need to see them for a little bit longer as opposed to, man, we've been going through maybe some joint practices. Offense looks sharp. Let's get them a series and get them out. It's kind of based like that.
2: Yeah, it's really it's week to week and it's kind of year to year. you try to take inventory of where you think your team is and what they need. And some players maybe need more than others. So, again, it's balancing a lot of different factors and ultimately trying to make the right decisions and ultimately getting towards the end so we can get prepared for week
1: one against indianapolis nick on behalf of all the listeners if you had time to be out and about town this time of year people people would be asking you how's mills doing (laughs) so i'm going to ask you how's mills doing because they want (laughs) to (laughs) know yeah i'd say the the quarterbacks have
2: done a a good job overall they've taken Mm -hmm. care of the football they've made quick decisions maybe they've made good decisions uh the the recognition of where to go with the ball i think is improved so say Davis has done a good job in that respect. Kyle's done a really good job as well. I mean, he's come in, and he's done a lot of good things. And Jeff has made progress and improved relative to where he was last season. So that's kind of a microcosm of the team. You want to see that type of growth and development in all the players. So overall, I'd say we're pleasantly uh, pleased with the progress that group is making. Um, The game will be another opportunity to kind of see them in a different different setting.
0: Nick, you've had and brought in some veterans, and and one of them sort of resonated with me yesterday because – I watched the situation one-on-ones where Mario Addison was going against Larry Tunsil, and so you're thinking, okay, good on good. And Mario got him. Tunsil did another rep, and as soon as he's done with that rep, he pointed out Mario. He was like, I want him. (laughs) Guys that you're bringing in that got that competitive vibe, that got that leadership in them, have you seen that throughout that vet group, Mario, Jerry, et cetera?
2: Yeah, it makes a big difference. I think, really, there's a mutual respect on each side of the ball, and when you've played and competed against a lot of different players, yeah. And really, you're learning from the other side of the ball as well. So, okay, what happened? What did you see? What are some of the things that I can do on my side of the ball to improve? So you're talking about players. You know, Mara's been in the league 12, 13 years. LT's been in the league a long time. So it's always an opportunity to learn, always an opportunity to get better. And if you can sort of pick the brain of your teammate –
1: I think there's a mutual respect there, and we're all going to benefit in in a big picture. All right. So last night on Hard Knocks, Hutchinson had to sing what? Billie Jean? Because it yeah, was he part of the rookie show. I missed that. It yeah. I don't think I viewed Hard Knocks since it's been yeah. on the air. Yeah. So yeah. well. I was going to ask you <laughs> how. <didn't laughs> Spent too much time in Fox. I don't Pro. even
0: want to. I don't want to <laughs> ask if you would like being on Hard Knocks, but how would you handle
1: being on Hard Knocks? If uh, well, we have to
2: figure it say, out when we deal with say it. Say less. <laughs> get to that point.
1: Say less. So. Do more. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but at at John Carroll. Did you have to do anything as a freshman, like sing a song? Oh yeah, or no. Okay. Like get up there, tell a joke,
2: have okay. a skit. Yeah. yeah, and you know, some players, honestly, like I'm not a very funny person, so I'm not like good at telling <laughs> jokes, and I can't sing. So you got to try to come up with a creative way,
3: uh-huh. and
2: you don't want to put the players in a tough spot. I mean, yeah, some yeah, players yeah. are a little bit more equipped to handle than others. So right. others, that's not really their thing, and they don't want to be in, uh, in that uh, in that spotlight. So, but. It's all part of, I would say, growing up and being part of a team and sort of graduating. I totally disagree with the funny part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I no, disagree. It's, it's good.
1: It's good. Uh, uh, one more. So hydration advice here, Nick. I think I'm doing okay. Yeah, you got
2: your your water yeah, there. I don't yeah. know if you have any electrolytes in there. Well, but no, I don't. I, I need to get that. that. Stay away from the sugar. No, no, I think no that's, that's, not my, that's I think chance. that's uh, for the six ten oh, guys. that's not yours. No,
1: but but should I cut down on my caffeine intake before I come out here? Uh, or no, one cup of coffee in the morning is okay. okay kind of get the juices going. It's a performance enhancer for me. I
2: wouldn't
0: have expected that. I mean. Yeah. I go to the Diet Mountain Dew. I can't do the coffee, but I, yeah. Well, that we'll has a lot coffee. of sugar in yeah, it. Yeah, I might wouldn't not. recommend See? Diet Mountain Dew. There you Absolutely. go, Johnny.
1: <laughs> you heard it from him. <laughs> right. Nick, thanks a lot for joining us. Thanks, guys.
0: Et tu, Nick. Et tu, Mark. My Diet Mountain Dew will stay with me. It will stay with me. You can have your coffees. I want my Diet Mountain Dew. It's the only way I can get through. My goodness. They're just trying to cut me down. They're just trying to hold me back, Jerry. There you go. Nick Casario. We had fun and we always have fun with Nick. We do get to, we talk a lot of ball, but now in our second year of being with Nick, he's comfortable with us. And that's awesome because he knows, you know, we're we're obviously in his corner at all times. And so he knows when we ask him something, we're not trying to probe or do anything that yeah, trying to get, you know, further information. We just want to have a great conversation with him on the air and it always is fun. And I would disagree. I think he's funnier than people think. I, I think he's got a really good sense of humor. I'll say, I'll say this. When it's ball time, though, it's all about ball. There's nothing else. I like that in my general manager. And I like that in my head coach. And Lovey Smith met with the media. Let's do a little Lovey Smith audio jukebox next right here on Texans All Access. All Access. All Access. Welcome back to this edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, Sean Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. I forgot this news in the first segment, and I apologize. The Texans made an unfortunate transaction today, and that was putting Darius Jett Anderson on the injured list. I saw him take a wicked lick kind of from behind in one of the drills yesterday, and my guess is that's what it was and what it's going to be. I think Aaron Wilson had tweeted something out. About what the actual, I think it was a knee. Just a real shame that happened to Darius Anderson. But here's Lovey Smith as we start our Lovey Smith audio jukebox discussing the Darius Anderson injury.
4: It's just, um, first, it's a tough, tough, you know, there's no other way to describe it. We feel for Darius. Uh, he's a good football player, has been through a little bit, got his showed up every day, was doing some good things. We had a plan for him. Unfortunately, uh, injuries are part of our game. It's just pretty much a non-contact injury uh, that happened. He's in good spirits right now. He'll get surgery and come back as strong as ever. That.
0: that is just so tough when in training camp you lose the opportunity without even preseason games you know, to have an opportunity to make the roster on top of that. you got to go through surgery, and you know you're going to miss the season. But best of luck to Jet, and hopefully he'll be uh, able to get back to training camp 2023, or we can see him uh, before too long. One of the things that's popped up at practice, and I watch practice as much of it as I can live, and I get to see every practice from every angle, every play after I spend about four and a half, five hours watching after. And I tend to disagree with the whole thought of Davis Mills doesn't push the ball on the field. And I got into this a little bit, on the Texas training camp live show this morning. And Lovey Smith was actually asked about that. Davis Mills pushing the ball down the field. Here's what the head coach had to say about his quarterback, Davis Mills, indeed pushing the ball down the field.
4: That's the emphasis every day to push it down the field. Um, You know, yesterday I thought the defense did some good things. Uh, Today, of course, as you mentioned, the offense did a whole lot of good things, which is good. We're a good football team. You know, from day to day, you want offense, defense to have their day. But for us to win games, we need to score a lot of points. We have weapons. We have a we have a perfect guy signal caller for our football team to start that push down the field.
0: I'm glad, Lovey, I don't say came to the defense of Davis Mills, but I think Davis has been very, very good in his camp. But obviously, there are always things you want to get better and you want to work on. But I would imagine if Davis Mills heard some of the things said about him not pushing the butt on the field, I think Davis would go pull up his iPad and say, yo, they got two people on the roof at all times, and they are working their butts off to not let me go deep. What do you want me to do? And I've seen a lot of that. And I think that's why it's upset me that much more, because Davis is looking down the field. He's wanting to throw the ball down the field. But are you going to force it? into double coverage in some sense based on maybe quarters coverage, a safety in a corner kind of helping together, or two on the roof and cover two? Do you want to just force it down the field? I don't know. Maybe training camp is that opportunity to do that. But you also don't want to be stupid. If a guy's clearly covered down the field, he's clearly covered. Now, earlier in camp, they threw the ball down the field and they didn't hit. They missed a few. So, yeah, we all want the bomb. We all want to push the ball down the field. But I'll tell you this. It's just as important to push the ball into the intermediate areas of the field, and Davis has done that all throughout training camp. He's hitting those deep digs at 15 to 17 yards or more. He's hitting the deep out routes. Those routes are almost more important than trying to hit that deep ball. You'll take your shot when you get it. Davis isn't scared to throw the ball down the field. He's not. He did that against the Chargers. He did it against the Patriots. He's had moments. He knows when to take his moments where I want him to continue to push it are those deeper intermediate areas of the field. And I think he's done that. Look, are there some that he probably watches watches back and go, man, I wish I'd ripped that one there or that there? Yeah, probably maybe a couple here there. But I don't think it's an absolute epidemic of, oh my God, all he's doing is checking out. No, he's, he's definitely not doing that uh, at all. So that's Well, that's Lovey's thought on that too, so I'm glad he's there. Lovey was asked a little further if any player has stood out this week in training camp. Now, we know how coaches will typically answer. Now, I've not heard this. My guess is he's going to point out that there have been some players that have done some good things, but maybe not anyone specifically. Well, let's hear what Lovey had to say.
4: I mean, it'd be hard to say stood out. I mean, you've seen the rotation that we have, and we're getting a lot of guys' reps right now. But as far as stand out, I mean, the guys are showing up right now. And again, guys, uh, I can't really point, uh, you know, it's is about guys showing up, you know, coming to practice. Everybody's getting better. But we can talk a little bit more about how we really play after we play somebody else.
0: That is a great point. When you play somebody else, you can then talk about where your progress is. I will go ahead and jump right in front of that bullet train for you, coach. Derek Stingley was very, very good today. He has – he's stood out the last couple of days in particular. And Nico Collins has been good throughout camp. And, oh, by the way, he's not pushing off all the time. Ugh. Anyways, um, man, there are a lot of just sore spots. Sorry about that. Uh, Nico's been very, very good. Uh, Laramie Tunsil has, uh, I thought, been fantastic. Also, Mario Addison as well as an edge rusher. Rasheem Green had a day today. Boy, he I, I said this in my uh, Harris Hits, which you can get at HoustonTexas.com. And They're lengthy, they're beefy, but they give you a great look into what's going on at practice. Uh, Rasheem Green was on one today. Man, he was on one today. He was all over the place. So those are just a few guys uh, that have stood out. I love what Brevin Jordan's been able to do at the tight end position. And Farrell Brown, he's talked about it a few times. 20 less pounds, he has been able to do some great, great things uh, in the passing game for sure. Now, preseason game's coming up. Lovey was asked, how are you going to manage those reps, Coach?
4: First preseason game is pretty much the same across. We're gonna, some guys aren't going to play. Some guys, yes. None of our guys will play the entire game. Not the first one. We have a snap count, whatever you want to say, play count, on what we would like to do with the game. And a lot of this, though, since we don't scrimmage anyone, some teams scrimmage people, some of the players that we don't really know about, that's how I see us using these preseason games, to get good live work especially on some of the guys that we don't know. I know what Larry McTonsall can do. I know what Brandon Cooks can do. You know, Chris and Kirksey. And I could keep going on. Those guys won't play a lot. But those guys in those next slots, that's who we want to see play.
0: There's nothing like that first preseason game. I love it. Mark and Andre and I are back on the air together. And we're just going through the game process. And fans are in the stands. I mean, it's just awesome. And watching young guys get opportunities to take advantage of them, that's even more awesome. So hopefully that's what will happen on Saturday. Now, Saturday is also a great trial run for the coaching staff. So why not hear from three of the assistants next? Cornerbacks coach Dino Vasso, defensive line coach Jacques Cezare, and tight end coach Tim Bergenick right here on Texans All Access next we go on final segment of this Wednesday edition of Texas All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, and it's time to get into our assistant coach interviews. One from DP, one from Drew, one from me. We'll start with DP, who caught up with Jacques Cezare, defensive line coach for your Houston Texans.
5: Jacques, uh, how have you thought your group has done so far here in camp, and, and what do you really like about what you guys have accomplished so far?
3: They're doing a really tremendous job right now as far as getting the playbook down, getting the concepts down, really buying into the technique that we're teaching them every single day. And honestly, they come out every single day and work extremely hard. That's you know We always talk about getting 1% better every day, and that's what they set out to do every single day they come out here. They're trying to get 1% better, not at everything, but at just one small little detail and then we'll be better overall as a group.
5: We've talked to Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison, and they talk about sort of the attitude they want to bring to the D-line group. When you define the attitude of the D-line group, how would you want people to visualize what the D-line groups can look
3: like? It's not just the attitude of the D-line group. It's the attitude of the entire defense. You know, the defensive line is the first to establish attitude, violence, and discipline for the whole entire defense. We're the first people that are are making contact with the opposing team. And so in order to do that, you have to have – a a a relentless attitude to really pursue excellence on every single snap and i want them those guys to come off the ball every single snap like some wild dogs chasing after the quarterback creating negative plays getting in the backfield hitting the running back so that's what we try and bring every single day from our skill development all the way to our team reps one-on-one pass rush our team scrimmage reps when we're playing against the offense we're trying to come after people every single day
5: what about some of the guys that have been here with this team last year what have Mm -hmm. you seen from them guys like john grenard or Mm -hmm. roy lopez or malik collins that Mm -hmm. have familiarity with lovey's defense but now they get to they get to play for you as well
3: they've been great as far as leadership is concerned as far as buying in immediately malik obviously is the the heart of, of that defensive line you know he's the he's you know he's the piston that drives the engine and uh and he has to to be on every single day. Same thing with Jonathan Grenard, you know, a a third-year player that had some early success in his career. Hasn't let that get to his head. He just comes out humble and works every day. uh, Shows tremendous leadership. Uh, Guys like Roy Lopez, who is just just solid as they come, and that you get independable and just a tank inside. And uh, you know, I'm very happy with those guys. And, and, and not only the growth that they've had uh, from OTAs into training camp, just by the how they carry themselves day by day, uh, the leadership that they display for the younger guys, as well as the older guys, everybody on the team. So um, they've done a, a tremendous job out here, and I'm, I'm extremely happy about them.
5: Speaking of that, along those same lines, they've got a lot of respect for some of the older players. Roy Lopez says that Malik is the best three technique in the league. You know, how would you classify Malik Collins and what he's able to bring to the group with his experience?
3: Well, you know, uh, I, I don't get into uh, uh, you know, declaring things in there or anything like that. The only thing I'll say is um, Malik is one of the hardest working football players I've ever been around, and he's very serious about ball. He's all ball. And when I say he's the heart of of what we do, he is the heart of what we do. And he understands that, he knows that, he knows the type of responsibility that is, and, and he practices like that every single day.
5: All right, I mentioned Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison. They played for you in Buffalo. They're back. They bring 25 years of experience between the two of them. What do you hope that they add to the group? What do you hope that they're bringing to everyone?
3: You you can see it every day. It's their leadership. It's the way they run to the ball. They they, they honestly help out the younger guys as much as they can. Um, They're just a tremendous resource for everybody that's on the team, not to mention they practice extremely hard. They practice every day. They're always running to the ball. They're, they're, they still have a lot of rush in them. They still have a lot of good football in them. They take great care of their bodies. They're true ultimate professionals, and it's good to have guys like that, not only uh, in your room but in the overall program as a whole.
5: What about going against guys like Laramie Tunsil every day in practice? How does that make your group better? I know the O-line men have talked about it, and your guys have talked about it as well, but well, yeah. that competition level, how does that yeah. make them better? And,
3: and I tell them that every day. I say, hey, look, you guys are going against one of the best left tackles in the NFL. Yeah, and really titles two right? To the NFL. Like get that work in. Make each other better. This is where it is. This is where you start developing that team chemistry. Because ultimately we all have the same goal. We want we, we're here to win. And and in order to win, both sides have to be equally great. And so work with each other. Work work as hard as you can, make that guy better. They're gonna make you better.
5: All right, I know in camp you can't really get a true view of what the pass rush looks like, but when preseason games get underway, yeah. what are some of the things that you're looking for
3: out of your group? I'm looking for a pocket collapse, and I'm looking to, for them to squeeze the pocket. I don't want the quarterback to breathe in there. And uh, as long as we get that, it's not always about sacks. Sometimes you just have to make the quarterback move the ball or throw when he doesn't want to throw or just make him uneasy. Get him, get his eyes off the, off the coverage and onto the rush. So that's what we're looking to do, looking to collapse the pocket and squeeze the pocket.
5: All right, before I let you go, I know you played a little bit with Travis Johnson, who's done a lot of stuff on Texans Radio with us, good friend of the show, former Texan. Do you have any good
3: Travis Johnson stories that you could share? Well, first, you know, let me say this, okay? And I know I said I'm not into declaring things, but <laughs> Travis is one of the best personalities in agree, all agree. of, of, of uh, shoot, national radio. <laughs> and uh, we're, he's are good friend of mine. I love him to death. I love him like he's my brother. And I'd love to share so many stories with the rest of the world, but that's coming out in my book in 10 years from now. <laughs> I'm just joking. Trap those secrets stay close to me forever, all right? <laughs>
5: I'm sure he'll appreciate it. We appreciate the time, Jacques. Right, thank, thank you so you. much.
3: What an absolute ball
0: of energy the former 10-year D-line vet is, and I think he is in a whale of a job with this defensive line. Inside, outside, he has done a fabulous job. Now, on the outside of the defense is cornerbacks. Dino Vaso in his second year here with the Texans caught up with Drew Doherty. Drew, take it away.
6: Dino Vasso is cornerbacks coach for the Houston Texans, and now he's with us on a Drew's Dozen. So let's get weird, Dino. We're going to start things off with nicknames. What have you had in the past? What do you have now? Let's go through the whole list. Ooh, I'm named after Dean Martin, so uh, most people just call me Dean.
7: And my mom kind of flipped the names. My first name's Martin. My middle name's Dino, so she flipped them. I'm
6: Dean Martin. So you heard a lot of him in the house growing up, I take it? Yeah, yeah, him and Prince. A lot of Prince as well. Best Prince song? Purple Rain? Pretty good. Okay, so you're not not a big Prince fan? Nah, it was played when I was young. Okay. What are your, uh, your four or five favorite artists?
7: Let's go Jay-Z, number one, Tupac, Biggie. I'm going to go East Coast, Jadakiss, kind of underground rapper, and then another guy from his group,
6: Styles P from the Locks. If you had to have an entrance song for when you walk into a room, the rest of your life they play this song, what are you choosing? T.I., bring them out. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. It's on my Spotify workout playlist, so I like that. Okay, what's a go-to dish for you to cook? I'm not a big
7: cooker. Spaghetti bolognese, I guess,
6: yeah. What makes yours yours?
7: This, the seasoning. I had to get the seasoning right for my wife. She's big on salty food seasoning, so I had to get that right. A Little does bit she, of garlic, not too much garlic, but a little bit of garlic in there. Does that. she do most of the cooking in your Absolutely. house? What's Absolutely. What's your favorite dish of your wife's? Ooh, baked ziti or lasagna, potentially. And she cooks that for me. She didn't really cook that before she met me.
6: So she's not. It's not like she's not like an Italian girl, and it's been in the family and the blood and all that. No, no. But she got acclimated pretty quickly. That's important, huh? <laughs> absolutely. A surprise about H Town that I've grown to love is ooh the food. Love the food. I'm from Philadelphia, so you got a high standard. Yeah,
7: absolutely. I don't know if it reaches that, but it's it's pretty pretty high up there. When you go back to Philadelphia,
6: what do you get? Whiz wit. That's, that's right. cheesesteak. Cheese whiz with onions. You guys are very particular about what you put on your cheesesteaks, aren't you? Is there and there's like battles about cheese whiz, American, etc. Yeah,
7: yeah. My wife's a more of an American or a provolone, but I'm a cheese whiz guy.
6: Greatest movie with Philadelphia in the backdrop, etc. Easy answer would be Rocky, particularly Rocky Four. Rocky four mm-hmm. If he dies, he dies. That's it. Solve the Cold War, right? Absolutely. Training Place is a pretty good Philly movie, right? Yeah, absolutely. How much? of a mental and emotional coach do you have to be coaching defensive backs and really being an assistant coach? Yeah, at the end of the day, you're, you're managing
7: personalities more than anything at this level, and there's a lot of them in the DB room, uh, safeties and corners,
6: so that's half the battle. Do you think that's where you've grown as a coach the most over the years in your, ti- in your time as an assistant?
7: Yeah, um, I've gotten better over the years, but but like I said, it's, it's less about scheme and more about kind of managing those those guys in that room. Every guy's different, so
6: you got to coach them uniquely. Since your name is Dino, D-I-N-O, what is the most overrated dinosaur of all? <laughs> Ooh, T-Rex, I would, I would say. That's the correct T-rex? answer, actually. Yeah.
7: T-Rex. It's
6: big. It's got those teeny tiny arms. It's yeah. so cliched. I'm like the Velociraptor. That's your guy, huh? Yeah, yeah, I'm a Velociraptor guy. I feel like Jurassic Park made them famous and made them uh, who they are today. So yeah. that, that's a good choice. Favorite retired NFL corner of all time. <sighs> asante samuel how come he was slight in size like
7: me could find the ball something i value right now um, had a lot of ball production and i grew up in philadelphia he was corner for the eagles for quite pretty
6: long. natural yeah. huh
7: yeah yeah his son is the same way i wouldn't fall far from the tree
0: and finally i had a chance to catch up with tight ends coach tim Berbernick. and we well we got this started off on the wrong foot and you'll hear why right now. Okay, we're gonna start off this interview with a fight a little bit. And I asked you where you're from, you said long Island. I said, okay, Yankees? And you're like, no, Mets. I was like, oh, okay, good. And then you all of a sudden dropped the biggest
8: piece of trash talk you could have, and you're like, in 86, we got you guys. Hey, well, I mean, what's that all about? Well, that's the only championship I've won as a New York sports fan <laughs> since I've been alive. <laughs> yep. So I was in kindergarten, and okay. uh, I think I believe Mike Scott was the ace pitcher for yes, the uh, Astros, and uh, I was, I was little, but I do remember all the things then. obviously got it to the Red Sox in 86, and that was my lone championship as a New York sports fan so far.
0: So as a Mets sports fan, what do you think of the documentary that they did on that? I watched it like two or three times, and they beat the Astros. What do you think of
8: it? Oh, uh, you're talking about the documentary, The 30 for yeah. 30? Yeah. Yeah, I just think it was cool seeing all those guys that I grew up, you know, as a yeah. little kid, Strawberry and, and Gooden and, yeah. and all those kind of guys. It was it was cool just seeing that, you know, as an adult now, looking back yeah, on yeah, what was yeah. going on and seeing how the, the Mets did there, yeah.
0: Coach, training camp, I know you've got a really interesting position in tight ends because you can have all kinds of different guys play at tight end. But overall, how's training camp gone for you in the position?
8: It's been great. The guys have really come out and worked. They've embraced what we've kind of told them. They're all, you know, really working hard. They're all working in multiple positions. And it's really been a good group. They've really enjoyed each other. I've enjoyed being around them. and, And we've made football and training camp fun. And it's been easy to come out here every day. And that's hard to do, training camp being fun. That's one of the hardest things you do. How can you try and make it fun for that group? Well, when you really like football, yeah and I actually love football training camp is fun yeah. so you know we do that and you know we kind of you know it's you know we will joke around at times yeah. too but it, 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 they enjoy learning they enjoy football so for them it's been easy to be fun because they want more information and and that's part of it has been so easy because they're just they're like sponges they want more and more each day so that's part of has been really fun trying to help them out Farrell Brown is the guy that came here in 2020 I know
0: you're first
8: year seeing these
0: guys but Farrell talked the other day about he's 20 pounds lighter than he was How has that made him,
8: at least through camp, a better player in your eyes, Coach? Well, yeah, Farrell's just put the work in. You know, he's focused. He's really, you know, ultra-detailed. That's part's been really making him better. You know what I'm saying? He's just hes really taken to his technique. He's really taken to the coaching. And he's just playing faster in general. I think in all facets, mentally, physically, everything's made Farrell, you know, play a little faster.
0: When you look at the tight end position, as I said earlier, you can have all different kinds. You can have guys that are receivers disguised in tight end bodies. You can have guys that are inline guys. How do you kind of manage all of that and the expectations for each different tight end you have?
8: Yeah, we're trying to teach them all the same, really. We're not trying to say, hey, this guy's a blocking guy, this guy's a pass guy. We're really trying to teach them all to keep, you know, all the same way. And that's what training games for, to get the guy that's the pass guy to be a better blocker and the guy that's a blocker maybe be a better pass guy. And we've really been trying to work on that from a group from a whole to be a really balanced uh, position group.
0: For you as a coach, I don't know how much this offense is
8: familiar to you or not. It could be new to you. Houston is new to you. But kind of handling all the new for you as you are in Houston, how's that gone for you thus far? As a coach, you kind of get used to it. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Between me and, and my family, you know, unfortunately, we're kind of we're good at this. Yeah. You know, it's not I don't know so much we're good, but we have experience at it. Anything you've done a couple of times, uh, you get used to it. So you know, we have a routine of how we uh, get a, you know, adjacent to a new area, we get the kids on the sports teams. That helps them. Uh, they're starting school tomorrow, and we've always they've actually started a month of school in uh, Houston before, so it's not totally new. So unfortunately, uh, moving around as a coach, you kind of you get you get the moving routine down pretty fast. So are they Mets fans, or can they be indoctrinated Astros fans? They're they're all in on the Mets fans. We uh, we took them. We went to see Minute Maid Park when they played the Astros. Astros actually got us this year in yeah. the, in the two game set. But we're excited. You know, we uh, Mets are in first place. Just kind of beat the Braves this weekend in the series. So we're kind of looking forward to the playoffs and hopefully uh, the Astros make the World Series and the Mets World Series, and we can uh, go right, right here in our local backyard.
0: little revenge would be needed a few thirty years after the fact. Coach, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. No problem. Appreciate it. That was fun to catch up with Tim, and uh, even though he tried to do a little bullying on me about 1986, the Mets and all, but 2022's a different story, coach. Look out for the Astros in the World Series, and maybe not against your Mets. How about that? All right, it's been a great show. Appreciate all of you that were part of it. Nick Casario, Mark Vandermeer, Lovey Smith, Tim Berbenek, Jacques Césaire, Dino Vaso Drew Doherty, DP City, and all of you. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you bright and early tomorrow on Texas Training Camp Live, our last one of the season from 8 to 10 right here on Sports Radio 610. See you then, everybody, and as always, go Texans. Texans. Texans.